Yeah, it's that time again, y'all. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's that yeah. time again, y'all. What up, what it's up, that what, time up again, what up, what up, what up, what up, Tats Nation, what up, uh-huh, Tats, Tats Nation? Tats Nation, where you at? How are you gentlemen doing? <laughs> and ladies. <laughs> Theology in the Streets podcast, where no topic goes untouched. And it's your boy, Pastor Lou, a.k.a. Late to the Game, and I got with me on my far right. You got your boy, Don Dada, back in the building. And I got right next to me. You got your boy, Kirk Classic. And on my left, your brother, James Juggernaut, what up? Yeah. What's going on, fellas? Tats hey, Nation. It is really great to be back with you guys. <laughs> it feels great. Kirk yeah. Classic. I feel yeah. better now. Dressed to impress. Yeah, well, you know. He, he's got it going. Listen, we drop episodes every Wednesday and Friday. You can check us on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. And you could uh, find us on YouTube uh, as we uh, video our episodes here. Make sure you subscribe. Hit the little bell somewhere in the corner there. And uh, this way you can get uh, notified every time we drop new episodes. If you want to follow us on our our handles, uh, Facebook uh, at Tats Podcast, Instagram and Twitter at Tats underscore podcast. And if you want to hit us up directly like, yo, just uh, you didn't feel something on the show or man, man, this would really bless me. Uh, yeah. You can email us at theologyinthestreets at gmail.com. That's theologyinthestreets at, the, at gmail.com. Yes, sir. Yeah. So uh, we back at it again. Yeah. Tats Nation. Listen, I just want to say thank you for all the support y'all been giving us. Thank you for listening. Yeah, um, yeah. For real, man. It's, it's big, man. And um, we appreciate it. We yeah. hope that you're being blessed by what we're you know bringing out there. We want to do better. We want to be... Uh, give our best and uh, so we just uh, ask that you continue to pray for us yeah. uh, because we busy dudes as well uh, but nevertheless uh, we gonna get into today's episode and uh, we got a special one for you today and the topic is called Urban Missionary that's the title for today Urban Missionary All right. and um, we're gonna be interviewing a brother that we know very well but has a unique story and um, I want to introduce him. His name goes by Ben Vasquez. Uh, he is a graduate from Elam uh, Bible Institute and College. And uh, he was a missionary for about a decade over in China, uh, representing over there for the Lord. But uh, I have to allow you to share, you know, hear his story from his, his own voice. And uh, Ben, we just want to welcome you uh, to our show today. Yeah, man. Thanks. I'm happy to be on the show, man. I love y'all show, man. It's dope. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Yo, listen, uh, if you don't, just to give you a heads up, Taz Nation, Ben is over in China. Uh, he's actually on the West Coast right now in California. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, he's close to the fires that's going on over there. Please keep him in prayer. Yeah. Um, yeah. As you, uh, he, not just him, just the everybody cabin, that's yeah. over on, on the West Coast that's dealing with these fires, man, because yeah. it's serious. So just uh, keep them in prayer. Uh, lift them up and um and and uh, yeah, just cry out to the Lord, man, that the Lord will bring some, some rain over in that area. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Amen. All right, Ben, listen, man, um, we want to hear your story, man, because your story is unique. And um, I don't even know if everybody here in the task crew knows your story or not. Um, How did you become a missionary, bro? Where does it start? (laughs) Yes. uh, Well, man, that goes back all the way to the beginning, I think, when the Lord really just kind of brought a father into my life. You know, I am. You know, I grew up with my mom, single mom for a while. She's my superhero, you know, and she was taking care of me till I was about six years old. And then I had a man walk into my life who 
he was a b-boy right he was a break dancer he was in the hip-hop and um he really took me in as, as his own and so uh as he was like breaking stuff like that doing hip-hop he got you know carter street wreck you know that uh over there we um he actually got it so, so, by the, the so government to like let teach me dance let me jump in because I, uh-huh. I just want to say Ben is from Rochester, New York, which which yeah. is this show is uh, hosting, right. and this is where we represent Rochester, New York. So he's originally from Rochester, New York. That's yeah. why we know him. That's right, Go ahead, brother. Yeah, and so so back in the in the days, man, we um my my stepfather, who he became my stepfather, basically he he raised me honestly as his own son, and so God brought a man into my life, and he he taught breakdance at Carter Carter Recreational Center. And that's how I learned how to break dance. And what we would do is, like, I, I could say this early. I think missionary life came in quite early for me because I learned how to be a missionary to the streets first, you know, to where my neighborhood mm. and the people of my neighborhood, my community, uh, before God would later send me to the nations. And so what we did was, um, well, my stepfather taught, like, break dance and stuff at Carter Street. After, after class was done, he would invite the kids back to our house for Bible study. He would kind of catch the kids, you know, mm. hook them with like, hey, guys, we can go back to my house and we'll have pizza for everybody. And then we'll we'll learn about the Bible a little bit. And then we'll push the couches back and have another dance session in the living room. And so what happened was very early on, we had like basically it was like me and him just going at first. And, this, and within one year's time, that grew to over 100 kids off the street coming oh, to this wow, dance 100. program that he did at Carter wow. Street. And um, a lot of those kids got saved. And so they would just come to our house and my mom, you know, would hook it up, like either cook some stuff or order pizza. And man, it just, I, I, so I grew up kind of seeing church in my house, you know, like house church, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Bible yeah, study. Real church. Yeah, kids real off church, the street. right? Real yeah, church. real church, you know, getting kids off the street. <clears throat> and I, I became friends with a lot of those kids, you know, like kids that have really, really broken backgrounds and broken families and and it was just it was crazy that god was catching my heart early for ministry and um mm. yeah later on in my life so that's like, the, that, you know, those are like the building yeah. blocks huh yeah it was yeah, like it's te- crazy i look back at that now and i see like god was teaching me how to do a house church kind of build a community thing way back then when i was like six seven years old crazy. because little did i know later he would be bringing me into persecuted countries where i had to like the only thing you could do is build house churches. You know what I'm saying? You, you know, so, it's crazy because I, I went to one of your, uh, you know, I wasn't saved back then. And I went to your house. I forgot who I was with. Or maybe mm-hmm. I was with Josh. But I mm-hmm. went to your house and y'all was deep. But yeah. I was like, where, yo, where are you taking me? It, on the porch and everything. It was over, <laughs> it was over mm-hmm. like, where was it? Rosewood or something like that? You would say. So I remember, I, I, or yeah. I forgot where it was. Melville or something Melville. Crazy like that. Yeah, yeah, that was Melville. Melville, yeah. And I mm-hmm. went over there and you guys were deep inside there. And yeah. I, I was kind of iffy. And then when I went in, it was mad love though. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I end up going to his, yeah, to one of your, I, but I came, I came so late. history here. Yeah, I came later, yeah. but you know, when it was almost done, but still, mm-hmm. I was still well received there. No doubt. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. So That's so crazy. so how do you then how do you then go into uh to where you feel like you got this calling on your life? Um, like that's the I'll, building blocks yeah, when you how so right. let me let me ask you this how old were you when with your stepfather doing the break dancing? He came into my life and I started b-boying when I was 6 years old. Wow, yeah. 6 years old. Wow. Yeah. Wow, so God was setting up even from the, from early on. So how, at what point did you feel how old were you when you felt like Man, I'm called to this missionary stuff. That was a calling that was really wrestled with, 
you know, in my life because, you know, mm. I think everyone's got their own story of their journey and their adventure. For me, my story is very similar to the prodigal son story. And so I had a good father and I had a stepfather who was not my own that raised me very well. I was very strict, like taught me how to love God. And then I fell away from that. You know, I ended up fighting with him. I got kicked out of my house, um, got a lot of bitterness and hatred towards him for a while. And then, um, actually met my real, my biological father. He used to sell drugs. So that's why he wasn't in my life before because <laughs> he was mm-hmm. selling cars and selling coke. So um, crazy flip of the world, you know, that I went straight upside down and, and literally <laughs> and went over there and lived with my dad for a while. And so it was a pursuit. It was a calling where I could say that God already had called me, but it took me quite a long time to realize it, you know? And so I think my battle of like, going back and forth in and out of church. I remember back at, at, at you know, at, at, uh, at ACF, you know, way back in the day, like I just, it was a fight where I would go to church and then I wouldn't. And Pastor Galvano, shout out to him too. Like he was someone who really spoke into my life a lot uh, while I was really in that rebellious kind of fighting stage, you know? And so, yeah, I just feel like, I think what really, what really woke me up like how I got woke was I had a, had a near death experience. And I think that's a lot of people's similar stories where I basically got into a car crash on the highway. I fell asleep at the wheel and smashed into the guardrail. I was going like 60, 70 miles per hour and um, nothing happened to me. I was totally like untouched by that. My car was totaled and um, I walked away from that with not a scratch on me. And um, in that moment, you know, I don't know, a lot of people say, like, it feels like slow motion, you know what I'm saying? Because you're like, it's happening so quickly, but you're like, like, in that moment, I'm just like, Jesus, like, forgive me, Lord, I don't want to go to hell. Like, you know, <laughs> let me spit out all the words I can before I die. That way I can at least make it, you know what I'm saying? Because at that time, I was smoking weed, I was hustling a little bit. I didn't know. I was I was just 17 at the time. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, I hit that wall. You know, I didn't, I didn't see Jesus. Thank God. I was, I was all right. And so that, that kind of, that, that, that with my mother always being a really good testimony for me, a good witness, she was always constantly, even through my toughest times of like fighting, going to church or not to, she was always a very stable voice in my life that would be like, Hey Ben, Mm. the Lord loves you. Hey Ben. You know, God woke me up in the middle of the night and he said that you're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to follow him and give your whole life to him. She will always constantly mm, be like mm, that love that's big. language of God to me. And so I am. Um, yeah, eventually, you know, a much that much of a mother's love will break, break a hard heart. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I um, I came around. And so, yeah, I would say it was about 18 where I really, I was 18 years old when I really gave my life to the Lord. And I said, all right, no more hopping in and out of church, no more trying to dip and dabble in the world. It's time to go full 100% for Jesus. Yeah, that's big, though, 18 years old. Even at yeah. 18 years old, to still make it. Young. Yeah, yeah, that's young, man. Very young, still. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. my bad, bro. I just, no, I'm no. just thinking, like, yo. So from 18, so when did you start to attend Elam? So that was it. That was it. So after 18, I graduated high school and stuff. I jumped back and forth actually between states. So my biological dad lived in Rhode Island. And then honestly, I'm from Rochester. So I actually kind of went back and forth. I did some high school in Rhode Island. I did some high school in, in, the, in Rochester. And then finally I graduated. So when I hit 18, I was fresh out of high school. Got a little job like cleaning, like just doing like maintenance and cleaning. And I was like, Lord, like, what do I do with my life now? And, um, 
quick. This, this, this is how I always tell it because I think this is vital. But the, the way that I got to Elam was God had me forgive my stepfather first before he would minute, like bring me into ministry. And so, wow. um, you know, from my okay. fighting with my stepfather, um, when I turned 18, like finally, like we basically made amends and we forgave each other. But God kind of spoke to me through a lady that I went back to church for the first time in a long time. Like after the car crash and stuff, I hadn't been in church in a while, right? So I went to church after like a few years of not going. And I, I went to a church that I had never been to before. I wanted to go somewhere where nobody knew my parents. I wanted to try, like, you know, I was still fighting. And I went to this church and I went to the front for prayer. And the lady, the pastor's wife prophesied over me. And she said that you need to go home tonight and forgive your stepfather. And so I was flipping out because I'm like, how do you know that? Like, Yo. who told you that? And obviously she's saying God, you know, God told me. It's like, yes, magic. And I'm like, okay, all right, let me go. Let me go back to the crib. So I, I actually went back home and I, I forgave him that night and that broke everything. And then I think I could say it like this, like from the bondage of the things that were limiting me, when that was broken, I just felt, I, I heard the, the, the voice of the Lord so clearly. And he just told me, go Bible school, go to Bible school. And one of my, one of the kids who actually grew up in our Bible study from our house, Bible studies back then, he was going to Elam. And so he hit me mm. up and he says, won't you come to Elam? So it was as simple as that, man. Like I, I, wow. I, I forget, you know, mm. forgave my stepfather and then boom, it was like perfect time. God's timing. My homeboy hit me up. He's like, what you doing with your life? I said, nothing. He said, come to Bible school. I was like, all right. And that was it. <laughs> I just went, you know, <laughs> just was like, you know I was still Good on to be that 18 way. Like yeah. that, right? <laughs> I was still on my yeah. way. I, I was just like, you know, again, I, my level of theology and heart for God at that moment was quite simple minded. You know, it was like, hey, if I go to this school, at least I'll be good. You know, I'm rapture ready, whatever. If I get hit by, <laughs> if, I crash, if yeah. I crash again, at least no this doubt. time I know I'm set. <laughs> you know, so it was just like, at least if I go to school, um, I can be a good, you know, I didn't even have a real fully great motive. It was like, let me go because this is like the good thing to do, you know. But little did I know, yeah. man, God wrecked me, man, and he used that for such such an amazing experience, you know. That's what's up. So where yeah. so okay, so okay, so God is touching your heart. He's making a way, obviously, through yeah. everything you're doing and through all the people you know. So you go, you start in school, you, yep. when what semester, when did you know, okay, I'm a I'm gonna become a missionary and I'm a I'm a I'm gonna become a missionary, basically. Yeah, so that was like that. Semester, go to man. China. Yeah, I went. That was the I, next I, semester. Only, yeah, I went. I only went to Elam for one year, right? So originally, I just was like, I didn't, I wasn't on no program. You know, people were like, "Yeah, I'll do three years. I'll do one year." So I'm just gonna go here until I know I'm gonna get to heaven. <laughs> so I did it. You know what I mean? I wasn't, I wasn't on no program. I was like, "Let me just go." And um, oh, the first Lord. semester, God just really restored my relationship with Him and showed me how prideful I was and how I needed to be humbled every day. Mm. <laughs> so I got written up a lot. Yeah. I got in trouble a little bit and. And, you know, I also praise God. The day that I stepped foot on Elam was the very last day that I ever touched marijuana, even till today, you know. So that was 2008. Amen. And so from Amen. now until, Amen. you know, from 2008 till now, I've never, I've never, ever touched marijuana. And so God totally delivered me from that and took the taste right out of my mouth, man. And then, um, yeah, and so the second semester came around and God was like telling me, he's like, you hear my voice clearly now. I had a real good, you know, real good habit. Like I, I, we started this whole prayer group where we was fasting like once a week. And I was like, kind of like me and my boy was leading this seven day prayer thing in the prayer, in the prayer uh, room. And 
I literally became addicted to prayer. And I was praying so mm. much. I ain't see people, man. Like, all I did, where's Ben? He's in the prayer room. Where's Ben? Like, I was always in there um, every mm. day. And mm. God was just pouring out revelation on me. He kept saying, it, it was like this feeling like you're right at the edge of the cliff. And you look down and you can see promise and you're ready to jump. And, like, God's just going to take you to, like, fly. You ain't going to, like, you're like, he's going he's to make you fly. And you're going you're gonna to go. And I felt such a launching. And I was like, God, like, Lord, where do you want to send me? Because, like, I'm down to be a missionary, but, like, I want to be a missionary in the city. Because, you know, I was in Bible school. We learned about all that stuff. We learned about the heritage and Hudson Taylor and all these amazing different people, uh, missionaries and stuff. And it's like, man, I'm not trying to go with this, like, water. Like, you know, I'm trying to go with, like, in the city. <laughs> you know, the urban yeah, missionary, yeah, yeah. right? Perfect yeah, title exactly. of this thing. I was like, and, you know, my God knew my heart, but I'm like, God, where am I going to go? Um, because I don't know. And then this happened. A man came, a man came to my school, man. And it changed my entire life. Cause this man came and he spoke. And when he spoke at, we had like, you know, a mission Sunday thing or whatever, like a thing for the school conference. And when he spoke, he said, he, he, he was talking about Asia. He was talking about all kinds of stuff and like living for Jesus on like 007 level. And mm. I just was like, man, what am I going to do? Like he, he convicted me. So while he was speaking, I saw a vision happen. And I'm a set girl. I already know. Like I already had stopped smoking weed for a long time. So I wasn't high. Like I saw a vision of myself <laughs> standing next to him. And I like, I've never had that kind of encounter with God before. This guy's preaching mm. on stage, this dude. Right. And I see myself like a hologram me standing next to him. And so I'm like, what's happening and I felt in my spirit like you should go tell that man what you saw and so I, I invite him for lunch we sit down you know everybody's around the table like doing their thing like doing their you know missionary questions like how long were you a missionary all that we had like four people at the table but then when it got to me it was like okay God I gotta be the weird one here like they, he's gonna think I'm that spiritual <laughs> dude floating like he got seven angels on my back kind of do you know cause I, I didn't know what to think cause it's like hey listen uh I know you don't know me, but I saw myself standing next to you. I don't know what it means. I just told him straight out. And he smiled at me, right? Check this out. He puts his fork down where he was from eating, and he smiles at me. And he says, Ben, I think I know what it means. And I'm like, really? Because <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know what he was going to say. And he said, it can mean one or two things. And, he, you know, whatever. And I said, okay. He said, number one, God's calling you to China. When he said that, I broke. Like, I felt like there was fire on my back. Like, I felt like I don't, I felt like I was about to, like, I don't know, evaporate or something. I don't know. Like, I felt such this empowering. I just felt like the Holy Spirit was on that, man. I don't know how else to explain it. And so he said that. Then he said, it also might mean that you work with me in the future somehow, or God's calling you to be a part of my ministry. Boom. I'm like, okay. So I go back to where I know best to go. I go to the prayer room. I literally get up, shake his hand, and I run out the room. I run out the cafeteria and run straight to the prayer room. I drop on my knees, and I feel like God said, Ben, if you're willing to go to China, I'll give you fluent Chinese if you're willing to go. And, um, you know, I know that's from God because I'm Puerto Rican, and I can't even speak Spanish. So if you're going to give me some Mandarin, you know what I'm saying, if I could speak another language, that's God, you know? So I just so was, so, yeah, so you so end up getting in China then, huh? I went in faith. So what? I um yeah, that was it. Wow. That was that was the whole call. And so I went. You know, now, I, what, that, that was 2010. 
Yeah, that was 2009 2010. Okay. So 2010, I, I straight up was like, God signed me up. Um, another organization came, actually. Another organization came, shared, showed, showed like people doing all this radical stuff. And I said, sign me up. And then kind of find out when I actually am getting on the plane that day, guess who shows up? These, this is two months different in time difference, by the way. Right. So I went to China just like two months later. <laughs> like I really went. Oh, like, wow. like, like there was it was the summer coming up. It was the end of that semester and the summer was coming up. So I only had, you know, basically June and July and then August we dip out. And so I um, I said, listen, Lord, like. If you want me to go, you gonna get get this money for me because I ain't got no money. I still owe Elon money. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have the money to go uh, to to there. So he um God gave used one church to give me all the money, just like that for a whole year. Praise God for that man. A whole year's worth of list. A whole year, yeah, one church, and I I barely knew them and became really close with them. And so yeah, I did it. Can I ask how much was that that year worth? I spent around twelve thousand dollars to live in China for nine months. Wow. wow, man! What a bl- and he man, said he dude. barely knew them, but you know he became to have a relationship. Yeah, I became close yeah, friends with them, and I in, so I interned for them. Elam, you know, Elam does internships. You know, you do you do yeah. internships at your end of your school year. So I did an internship, and I just I just was adopted by them. You know, I really was. They showed me a lot of love, and boom, they showed me a lot of love. <laughs> they sent me Praise God! Yeah. Praise so God. Um, that's Praise that's God. the story of how I went. Yeah, God, and so that that man. He's a very big part of my testimony. Just just friendship and, and fathership in general is a huge part of my testimony. Mm. But that man ended up becoming really my father. Like I ended up, I've lived with him. I've traveled the world with him. I've preached in Chinese with him in four different countries. We, you know, we've done a lot together. And um, over these these last nine years, and um, God really did do that. So very much like Paul and Timothy kind of relationship where he really called me into ministry through this man mm, um wow. you know and that and that man yeah. man's from even as well you know so it's just this heritage oh that we have it's really cool man that all right vision. so so now you in china right yeah um and this is where you become the urban missionary and and, and it molds you to to the person you are now so share mm-hmm. with us yo what was it like Okay, what were the goals when you first got there what were your mm-hmm. expectations what were you supposed to accomplish yeah, bring bring yeah. us into China. Into China. <laughs> Walk us, us into yeah. China. Yeah, you, yeah. Us into, you get off the plane. <clears throat> you got. You better survive. That was the only goal. When I landed in China, the first goal was <laughs> to, to survive because it ain't nothing like America. <laughs> you know mm. what I'm saying? Like you, it was a city with only 20 million people in it, by the way. But it was it was crazy. Yeah, 20 million. That's just an average city in China. Wow. And so that's, that's an average that's city in China. Wow. It's an average type city in China. Yeah. And so, man, like, I, man, I, I'll tell you what, being a missionary really, really, really makes you radical, really stretches your faith because you really don't have a choice but to depend on God. Mm-hmm. You know, you really don't. You really, all that's all you have. You, you have nothing but the word of God to hold on to uh, because there's times that you like, man, God, what am I supposed to do with this? And so I got there and I didn't know a lick of the language and I know how to count like one, two, three and I know how to say noodles because you got to eat and that's all they eat. So you got to know how to say noodles. You know, beef noodle, chicken noodle, rice noodle. Those are the three, that's the trinity of Chinese, right? There. You learn those three noodles, you're good, man. You can eat every day. So, so I was eating my noodles and I was learning and um, so yeah, I just, you know, I seen 
I seen 12 to 15 people come to Christ in my first nine months I was there. And that was with really just using English a lot. And, um, you know, after that, the Lord, you know, in that nine months I was there, God was like, I want you to learn the language. And so, you know, I, you know, I, I ended up enrolling into school to become full-time, a full-time language student, you know? And so I did my first nine months there. Like I said, that's great. We've seen like 15, you know, people come to Christ, baptized. And I baptized them in my bathtub. That's how we do it over there, you know? Where we um, get little Walmart kiddie pools and we just blow them up and, you know, fill them with water and we do it just like that, you know? And so I but did you, that. Okay, but hold up real quick. <laughs> so you, no, hold up. So you, you get down there, you're trying to learn Chinese. This is yeah. before going to school. You're just learning on your own, trying to pick up. Yeah, like, I was just you, learning you know, a lot on my own. Wow, and then and then how you're meeting people? How how did you go about and meet people? What was your what was your routine? So every day I woke up and I did prayer walks, and I would do prayer walks on the campus, the college campus, and um okay. I would say, Lord, who am I? Who, who do you want me to meet today? Bring them to me. And I, I'm you know I'm just being honest with you. Like I said, when you're in that kind of circumstance, God is very quick and very faithful to answer, and so. You know, and you take it in faith, right? So I would, I would wake up, do that, and then I'm like, God, who am I supposed to meet? And then he'll, I would hear him say, go play basketball. And I'm like, okay. So I'll go play. They like basketball out there. So I went to the basketball course, and I'll be playing. And then one guy gives me, like, a smile, and he's like, yo, play with us. And that was it. I would be like, all right. And then I'd be like, yo, what you doing after this? Let's have lunch. Let's go have lunch in the cafeteria, man. Boom, did that. Next thing you know, I'm like, yo, why don't you come through the house, man? We're doing a little get-together this week, whatever. And then they come over and then he gets saved, bro. Just like that. Crazy. <laughs> it's just wow. easy. It was wow. easy. Wow. Simple. It was very easy. Just, just, just yeah. friending them. Just befriending yeah, them. Yeah, just, it's just, relationships. Yeah. So I was an early missionary using very strong relational, you know, evangelism. Like everything was about relationship. I never looked at someone as a number or like, oh, I got to see 10 people get saved. I never, you know, because that's the reality. When you're living like that, you can have that pressure on, you know, like how much am I sharing the gospel? Like my job is to share the gospel every day, you know, like that's what I did. So, it, you know, yeah. those kinds of things would try to attack me or be, like come through my thought process. And I'd be like, and I would, anytime I would even think of that kind of stuff, I would just say the name of that person. And I'd be like, Lord, yeah, but you gave me this person. Or, Lord, I'm just so happy that I can meet this person. You know, yeah. that's just how I did it. Yeah. You know. So when you signed yeah. up for school, obviously that was uh, that was another platform for you to be able to evangelize, right? Oh, of course, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it, the, the deal is the Lord moves quite quickly in what we did, you know, because I... I wasn't there to just share the gospel, you know, I was there to help them really establish church and church culture. And so I wanted, you know, and that had to be started from the ground up, you know, from nothing. And so I, as I was learning the language, um, God did something else really special, which I think really, again, ties into this whole urban missionary thing, because that's why, I, this is how I started my story, right? It was my hip hop. My, I started my story on, God called me to be a b-boy, you know, to be a break dancer from Rochester, New York, and go all the way to the other end of the world, literally the other side of the earth. And God would use breakdance to actually be my main way to build relationships with people. And so I am, um, I learned the language, man. And right away I started teaching breaking. I started teaching classes. I started judging. I started, I, and when I say this, like at the snap of my finger, this stuff kind of happened overnight. So 
it was basically like, I would say it like this. The Lord wanted to trust me with the challenge of, are you going to learn the language like I told, promised you? And I did. And so as I learned that, then he's like, okay, now that you know the language, look what I have for you. And so once I learned the language quite, quite well, like I say, after my first year, year and a half, um, I started traveling all over. I've been, I've, I've been all over. Um, I've been to over 50 cities. And so, um, I, I was teaching dance in the studios. I was, you know what I'm saying? I was judging the top international break dance events that they have. Sometimes 10,000 people showed up, sometimes 5,000 people at these events. Um, very big events. And, um, and I, and I, and God will always highlight people. This is how I do ministry. I don't know. I like everyone's different, but I feel like the Lord shows me kind of like I have this vision, you know what I'm saying? Like I got these goggles on and when I'm around a lot of people, I feel like, like, imagine with me if it's just, like, really dark, like, a lot of darkness. God, like, shines light on certain people to me. And it's like, like, I see them, and, like, God's like, go grab that dude's phone number, you know what I'm saying, or invite that dude to lunch. And I'm going to be honest, like, most of the people that I that I felt that with, like, through my spirit, those people got saved, you know, like, over time. Like, it was it was really cool. And so, yeah, I thought, I mean, I led the, some of the top B-boys in China to the Lord, um, like the top, top ones that represent the entire nation to go country to country for battling internationally. I, um, you know, yeah. I've been able to see some really That's cool big, stuff man. happen. And it's all, yeah, it's, so, all, it's all God, man. So you, so that's, so there's a lot, so that's. What's up over there, right? The B-boy and breakdancing, that's popular hip-hop, down there? Hip-hop culture, hip-hop culture is big over there? I'll say that. Asia has taken hip hop culture and brought it to another level that even America hasn't done. I'm mm. just gonna be honest. Mm. Okay, explain. I'm explain culture. that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, just because of the sheer number of people, like population wise, like there's just anything really thrives. You know what I'm saying? If it becomes a fad, especially among the young people, if something becomes a fad among young people, you. You don't multiply that by, you know, let's say in the States, we multiply that by 10. In Asia, you multiply that by a thousand. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's just because it's so big. And so I, I, I uniquely have been placed in Asia at the time of history where breakdancing basically became popular overnight. And so within the five, mm. I can actually identify and tell you the exact years, but within a five year period of time, basically, Everybody was trying to start breakdance studios. Everybody. Everybody in their mom was trying to do dance studios because that was the business to have. Um, there's some, there's been some very significant media uh, shows, some TV shows. Uh, one of them is called The Rapper China. And that's been for hip hop. So that's not even breakdance. That's the rapping element of hip hop. The Rapper China has had 2.4 billion streams of views. It's a, it was an online TV show. You know what I'm saying? Like, wow, like an online show. Billion. And some of my peoples were on that show. They had MC Jin. Y'all know wow. MC Jin, right? He was on that show. Yeah. Yeah. Jin, yeah. yeah so that, yeah. that show had 2.4 billion streams um, within the first year that it came out. And then it, and then break, then they did. So, so there's, this dude from Hong Kong basically came in and he says, I'm about to, I'm about to make, I'm about to make hip hop even bigger in China. So what he did was, he made two shows that basically went viral. He did the Rapper China, and then he did one called This Is Street Dance. I'll send you guys the links to this too if y'all interested to see it. It's pretty dope. It's on YouTube. Yeah, y'all can watch do it. That. So my boys, some of the dudes that I kind of fathered in our church, they were on that show, and so that show mm. 
also now has trumped the other show. So, so he did a whole show just on rap, and then he did a whole show just on hip-hop. So, you know, popping, breaking, like, hip-hop choreography, all of it. And these, they'll, they'll have, it's like, I mean, it's like America's got talent, you know, or whatever, or like, a you know, it's like that level. Like, they go city to city, yeah. and they you do auditions, and then you go for the final. And they have thousands and thousands of people. One, just, just so you get an idea, just one of my friends that was on that show and lost got over 10,000 followers one day out of that show. Like the very, in 24 hours, 10,000 people added him. That's a big just, come up. And he, and he lost. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Wow. So, I wow. mean, we need, just, to, we need to go over there and do a show. Yo. Podcast real quick. Come yeah. up 10,000 real quick. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I told, it's I a nice told market. Him, I told him about this when I came back to visit. Even barbershop. Yeah. There's been, so it's not just breaking. It's, it's kind of everything. Like, you could be an urban missionary. I was an urban missionary as a B-boy. You could be an urban missionary as a barber, you know, as a rapper, as a tattoo artist. These things in China have taken so much root. They take what we do and do it on a whole nother scale. Did you know in my city that every year they have a tattoo festival where they have, like, over 200 different tattoo parlors come together and they rent out an entire mall and they have rock festivals going on. They got MCs and rappers like in a basement, like a hip hop. It's like a whole like three day festival, and you can literally just go in and walk in, and there's stations to get tattoos at. And it's the biggest hey. festival to go to, and they do that hey, every ben. year. Yeah, go ahead, Jam. Ben. This is Jam right here. Yeah, can you hear go me? Ahead. Uh-huh. Sure. Hey, I got you a got question. I, I don't want to get all gloomy on it, but um, sure. Uh, you came here in 2010, right? That's right. All right, to China. So um, I want to ask a question about, because the, the communist government implemented a child policy in, in mm-hmm. um, 1971, the one-child policy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard about that, where 336 million deaths in so, China were attributed so. to the abortions of, of children mm-hmm. from 1971 yeah. to 2013. So mm-hmm. I was just wondering, did you meet any couples or any women that uh, were victims of that um, one-child policy? Mm. And mm. In, in the church and how, how did you minister to them or, sure. or anything like that so I'll say this did you, did um, you meet anyone uh huh sure so I'll say this um, that's a great question so um, I think <clears throat> again because uh, I was really primarily focused on college students right and then to be like younger a younger crowd of people I didn't meet a lot of I met people who definitely were well I had to walk through some tough tough times with some girls who had abortions um that was very hard so I didn't yeah I, I'll say that I, I've, I've walked through quite a few that were devastating of girls who were young you know what I'm saying they were like 20 years old 21 and um you know me and we had some sisters in the church too that that was really walking through with it and and they 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 had their parents basically force them to do it like it wasn't even really fully their choice you know what i'm saying it was kind of like hey listen that's gonna that's gonna kill your career you gotta stay focused on your on your college and stuff like you can't have the baby and so that was very hard for us to walk through some some situations like that where it was like you have to understand one thing about china and the cultural respect that they have for their parents the respect that they have for their parents is on a whole nother level than what we say, you know, in America, like respect, obey your parents. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, 
Wow. I'll say it like this. There's not much room for rebelliousness in China for people. And, uh, you, you know, it still happens, obviously. But the reality is the majority of young Chinese, you know, sons and daughters really, really honor what their parents say to the place that if their parents are controlling, they basically control their entire life. And mm-hmm. so that, that uh, mm-hmm. we've had, even outside of the abortion issue, we have people that were so controlling, they basically were like, you, you can't go to church no more. We don't like that Christian stuff. We don't want you doing that no more. And they basically would give me a phone call and be like, hey, listen, I'm sorry, I can never see you again. And that was it. And I built deep friendships with these people, right? Like over a year time. And they would literally just a phone call. Hey, I, I can never see you again. Start crying to me. And then that's it. And be like, I'll never, they'll fall off the face of the earth, bro. Like off the mat. Wow, that's tough, man. Mm. Wow. wow so that brings up my my follow-up question did you get any pushback from the chinese uh communist government against mm. christianity and the churches and the distribution of bibles or the type of sure. preaching that you can do because uh according to coalitiongospel.org mm. um the, the Chinese constitution states that there's a freedom of religion, but there's a little line in there that <clears> says <throat> the state protects normal religious activities and the state the uses state that state normal sanctions. as ambiguous. So mm. they use it to implement extreme measures and control against religious communities that they see as a threat to the government. Have sure. you ever, um, have you ever experienced that in your preaching of the gospel in China? So, um, I'll say it like this. You know, I mean, I lived there for a long time, right? So I got to really experience a lot of different things. And I'll say, even in that statement you just read, it's so, there's a lot of gray lines. China is just a bunch of gray lines of what hmm. is legal, what's not. And um, I'll say that, you know, for me personally, I've never experienced any persecution personally at all. I think that... Um, the, the, the real deal is there's been things I've been very obedient about in the government. I've respected what they said or what they did, but let me, let me paint a bigger picture. Is This is what I believe. I think that communism has, you know, really done the unique thing is, and they actually go after and really have wiped out a lot of occult in China too. Right. So like, here, you know, we can be in a, let's say, an open country, if that's what you want to say. It's, 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 I guess it's broad like that. But in an open country, we have so many religions, we have so much freedom, there's so many things, there's a cult, there's other dots, there's so many different things going on, and people don't know what to choose, right? There's so much stuff. But in China, you don't really have that. Like, they, they are so, they were so strong at kind of really putting out anything that they feel is destructive for their people. And the reality is, I'll say it how I say it all the time, is that's actually wiped out all the other competition and left Christianity to thrive in China. Because there's nothing else to compare Jesus to. There's really not. And so, um, again, I'm not, you know, I'm not for the communist, like all of the communist ideals and stuff that they believe in. Um, but there's been things that they've done that actually help really grow the gospel forward. There's definitely, yeah, still attacks or you hear i think sometimes we can hear a lot of the extreme side of the stories you know or the ones that are like oh my god which i think is not really the norm in china and like i said i'll say yeah i i've not personally experienced that i've met others or have heard of others who have experienced really crazy stuff that i won't i won't be able to talk about but yeah there's just i think 
overall, like what I've seen is I didn't see the government as this big enemy in China. And I never, but, and you know, to make it clear, I've never voiced myself that way to anyone. When I'm disciple people, I don't make the government to be the enemy. I make the enemy to be the enemy, you know, Satan and whatever else, you know, the, the things of this world. So like, I, I've never taught like my discipleship stuff in like an anti-political way or whatever. I've just tried to show people the true freedom of Jesus is given to you freely, you know, and, and, and yeah, what you here. said um yeah. is uh what you said is pretty factual because they said um in 1949 there was like a million Protestant churches and it's grown to 49 million in 2010. <laughs> and experts yeah. believe that the number could be more than more than triple over the next generation. Yeah, and they they're also one of the main publishers of the Bible. <laughs> yeah, which is China crazy because is. Bibles yeah, were illegal before. And I I've known people that had back in the days they. I actually personally know people that actually skydived and jumped out of planes with Bibles to bring them to people. Wow. So, wow. Now, did you carry your yeah. Bible out there openly or how was yeah, that? Yeah, of course. I, I Nobody, th- yeah. So here, here's the deal. Here's the one thing I think you guys need to understand to help you visualize my life in China. Okay. Me being a Christian is not illegal at all. They can't tell me I can't be a Christian. I'm American, right? So, like, I'm not... It ain't me being a Christian, me worshiping God, my God, me reading my Bible at Starbucks, you know, in China, like that's not illegal because they, they kind of even almost have that expectation already because a lot of Chinese mm. people will identify Christianity as a Western religion. That's the most common thing you'll hear a person say is, oh, that's a Western religion, which obviously we know is not true, but they just don't know that. Yeah. So that, that's a common misconception among them. And so they actually might think that most Americans are Christian, right? And so mm-hmm. for me, so they the way that they identify with religion, even the government, it's a it's an ethnical, it's you know, it's a it's my ethnic group. You know, I'm Chinese, I'm Buddhist, I'm Chinese, I'm communist, mm-hmm. right? You're American, you're Christian, yep. and so mm-hmm. they just think it's part of your culture. And so I'm, you know, if I'm reading the Bible in front of a police officer, he's not, he doesn't care, like he's not gonna do nothing. Mm-hmm. Now, if all of a okay. sudden. I got my backpack with 50 Bibles in it and I'm just handing them out right in the middle of downtown in front of that police officer. Best believe I'm going to be in some trouble. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, That's okay. different. Okay. It's not the I same thing. Yeah. So, so basically it's, it's okay for you to be openly Christian as, as a Westerner, but for those who, who are natives, uh, uh, Chinese, if you will, uh, how was that perceived? Yeah. I didn't fully understand what you said the last part, but I think you're saying like so, something. So, essentially, so basically, it was accepted that that you that you are Christian mm-hmm. because you're from because America. you're from you're yeah. a foreigner. Yeah. But yeah. those who are actually you know native, you know yeah. Chinese, they're from there. This is their ethnic group. Sure. How is that perceived by you know government, society, so on and so forth? It's a great line. It's an absolute confusing gray line that I think people don't understand because. You might, yeah, like you, a Chinese Christian could be sitting there in Starbucks, same scenario, reading his Bible. And some of people might be like, why is they reading that book, you know? Or like, what is that? Like they're doing, they might even think, oh, they're just learning about American culture, <laughs> right? That's what, that's what's worded. That's the whole perception again. Like, oh, they're learning about, maybe, maybe that person, like someone might see, here, here's some real practical ideas, right? Uh, perception. Maybe somebody will see a Chinese, like a Chinese person will see a Chinese person reading the Bible. They might think, oh, that person must be getting ready to go study abroad. 
know what I'm saying? Or like, they're not associating that. Like here we're in America, when we carry our Bible, it has a very strong representation of our faith, right? When we're walking around and you, you could be walking, if you're just a dude walking in the mall and you holding your Bible by your side, you know, like blatantly, like very openly, like people are like, man, that dude's probably getting ready to go preach to somebody, right? Or that's a that's a Christian. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a different identification that people perceive. But in China, it's not really like that. And so, yes, there are definitely different rules and regulations, restrictions on Chinese nationals um, in their Christianity. It's actually not legal for Chinese people to be Christian. They could be Christian. China, if you look up this, you know, you can search it. I don't have a, a great reference for you or a website, but Chinese actually, China as a, as a government, as a nation, actually recognizes a few different religions of China that they would say these are the religions accepted in China. Christianity, Catholicism, Buddhism, and uh, I'm not sure else, what else, but they actually recognize those things. And so, but again, there's gray line because of anything that feels opposing, overthrowing, you know, we don't want to use these kind of words, but these things that basically movement-making, which Christianity yeah. in, in its essence is very movement-making. It's, it's, it's a way to gather people together and, and get them passionate about something right. And so I think that's the real fear of it is that, honestly, I think yeah, it's people in government in China realize they, they should realize and see, which I'm sure they have, the effects of what Christianity has done, which is boosted the economy, it's made it better, hmm. it's helped people, right? And so I They've think you see, it, yeah, it, you see the witness of the truth, right? You will see the witness of the yeah. truth through people's faith. And so, yeah, now, like I said, just, yeah, to paint that picture for you. I, I wasn't in danger or whatever in a way or like that, but, you know. All right. So, so coming back though, right. So now, I mean, you're, you're, you're in the urban aspect of it. You're in these cities of mm -hmm. 20 million plus and sure. you are ministering to the, the hip hop community via B, B boying. Yeah. At what point? do you go from just b-boying to discipling because you talked about some of your boys some of, like what was that process like how did you get into this aspect of discipling these 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 chinese uh, uh brothers you know i think it was something i learned over time i think it's something god had a gifting in me and a heart to do to like mentor and disciple people and then he just grew that gift in me and i think the best way i could say it is there was methods, there was strategies that people gave me or offered or had me even study. But I think at the end of the day, the natural life on life, we, we called it this in our culture there, we call it life on life discipleship. For me, it was life on life and my witness of just being around people daily. And, um, you know, we had discipleship books, we had different materials, but the reality was, I think what transferred over was I, my heart was always to teach the b-boys and the people in the urban setting to not make a ministry of coming to people but a ministry of going and so that meant mm -hmm. every place we went was our mission field every group of people could be our possible church and so when we would go to breakdance practice at a mall right that's not a church there's nothing christian about it we just chilling dancing at a mall next to a video game arcade and i would pull aside my boy and i'll be like hey listen and, you know, to be like 30, 40 dudes, they're all breakdancing, right? But I got the one, you know, I got the guy that saved. And I would say, hey, what do you see? And I always, I would do this over and over again. I asked him the question. I said, what do you see? And then he says, I see everybody chilling, like breaking and having fun. I said, yeah, but what else do you hmm. see? And, and then I started to ask him some questions and be like, dude, how many of these people know Jesus right now in this room? Hmm. And he'll go, 
only me and you, Ben. And I was like, so what are we going to do about it? And then that was <laughs> it. We would pray. Sometimes we will just, you know, slowly be like, hey, yo. And again, you got to understand, like, it's so confusing. Like, it's not, they don't relate it to anything. So if I'm in a room and I, I'm at a breakdance, secular breakdance profession, you know, and I say, hey, can I pray before we start? They say, yeah, go ahead, do that American thing you do. Right? They're not like, oh, nah, man, like, you know what I'm saying? You can't pray, that's offensive to me. They don't say that because they're like, mm-hmm. we want you to do it. It's an open invite. So I would pray. I would pray, and then I would teach mm-hmm. my boy. And now, But it was different when he did it right now because now the Chinese dude's praying. And they were like, <laughs> yeah. why, why is he doing that? Why is he praying? <laughs> yeah. And then he would just tell him, he's like, because God is good. And they were like, Who, what God? And then he would say, Jesus. And they'd be like, who's Jesus? And then that's how we went. And then I'd teach him. And then he would decide. He'd get someone saved. And then come to my crib. And then be like, all right, here's this. Now here's now you disciple him. And I made these rules. I said, listen, if you leave, if, if you know someone you want to share with the gospel, I said, I'll come with you, uh, you know, help you, whatever. I believe in you. I said, but that's your dude. You got to share the gospel with him. I said, if you leave that dude to Jesus, you baptize him. You don't give him to me. Mm, you don't, don't say like, I'm going to do it. I said, if that's your dude, that God tr- entrusted you with, he's your responsibility. And so very quickly, we've seen a movement happen of people that were baptizing people quickly, third, fourth generation Christians, very, very quickly. Wow. That's, that's beautiful. That's hey, you ever come up against some pushback? Like you ever try to evangelize to someone and sure. they were like a hardcore, like a Buddhist, Buddhist yeah. or Confucianist oh, or yeah, a sure. follower of Taoism and mm-hmm. y'all get into a little theological debate or whatever? Like how'd you handle this guy? Everything is a debate. No, no. They, but, this guy wants to know some type of debate. Happens. No, no. Like, you know, you evangelize somebody and they're like, no, yo, sure. you that's crap right there. I believe in this. Did you ever encounter that? Is what I'm saying. <laughs> I tell you, yeah. One time, I broke a, pen. I snapped some kid's pen in half because <laughs> I was, <laughs> you know. I tell you what, I don't like debate. I'm not one to debate. I'm really not about that life. That's not my thing. I don't look for that. That's I don't like conflict. Yeah, that's jam That's jam But day. you know, being an urban missionary, you're gonna put yourself in conflict. It is what it is. So yeah. I mean, yeah. and honestly, I wasn't. I'll tell you what. All of the hood dudes in China that I met, or like people with real rough backgrounds. They were the easiest, man. They, like, most of the time, they wanted Jesus, or they were like, yo, you real, yo. They'd, like, dap me up and hug me. They're like, yo, what you said is truth. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. But then the college students, man, there's something about them. You know, they think they, you know, yeah. they're, they're different. They're like, prove it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah. I had a debate one time with a kid, and it's all love, you know? Like, I love his knowledge, you know what I'm saying? But at, I, I realized that about 30 minutes into our conversation, he wasn't there to listen to anything I had to say. And I think you have to realize that when you're trying to like share your faith with someone, like homie just wants to promote himself and what he believes. And then when he's done, he doesn't care what you have to say. So once we got to that part, that was my literal breaking point. And I was, I somehow I, I grabbed his pen in the middle of all this. And he, and I said, something like, no, it isn't. And I snapped his pen in half and they all looked at me like, Oh, and I was like, you know what? I gotta go and I just got up and left I'm out I'm out <laughs> we basically said what we believe in was stupid and it's wrong and yeah. and whatever and he, he basically said you're just basically backing up my belief that it's true and I said I'm actually saying yeah. everything the opposite 
of what you're saying. (laughs) I I appreciate that that honesty, though, man. You know what I'm saying? Because that's real. You know, I mean, you know, a lot of times, believe you know, we don't think that believers can't get upset for what we believe in, and and, you know, we get caught up in the moment. I'm not saying it's the right action; it's just you know, it's just the honesty. Sometimes we so we're so passionate and fervent about the God we know is real. So yeah, I appreciate that kind of honesty, man. For real. And I I know how to turn it off. You know, I had to turn it off. I knew how to be like, okay, this is enough. I'm not gonna be able to love this dude. So in in the can't cash your pearls among swine, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and listen, and lucky you didn't do what Jammer did and sit there debate. That's what Jammer goes there. He goes there. To, he don't really, really care what you're saying, your opinion. He just wants to get his opinion off. No, I'm not listen, that guy. Hey, I, I, got a, I got a question for you, uh, Ben. Now, because mm-hmm. uh, I, I know this is a, a, a probably a, a, you know, a topic that's kind of touchy too. You mm-hmm. are a young, handsome man. Okay, <laughs> educated. The handsome dragon. Okay, you're right. Yeah, yeah. handsome man, educated. Yeah. Handsome dragon. Oh, the dragon. Look at that. They handsome call you the dragon. They call him they the call handsome dragon. Handsome. Yeah, my Chinese name is Long Jun. It means handsome dragon. Oh. Look at that. See? Oh, look at oh. that. See how I knew that? I, I didn't know that. It was the spirit that told me that. So, <laughs> so uh, you was Long Jun yeah. out there, right? You was Long Jun out there, however you pronounce that. And. Yeah. Did you have now temptation wise as and you know are you still single or are you seeing somebody yeah. right now are you are, yeah. are you single <laughs> good man let's let's uh we'll we'll broadcast that for everybody so yeah I'm single yeah yeah because listen <laughs> hey yeah. but bro you're a catch you're a yeah. cat bro these women gotta know you're a cat you're a man of God young yeah. man no kid come on bro you it's are the a cat podcast so the hook up yeah, podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. we about to hook you up with a, <laughs> on a beautiful woman that yeah. loves Christ so the yeah, question is did you encounter any any you know any women in here. Where, where they trying to throw themselves at you because talk, you're yeah, from America? Let's just be this. This is yo. You know this. Man, this real, this is how we do over here. You know, ten this, years this, in China. I mean, yeah, you had to encounter yeah, some. You know, this task. This is you know. Sure. This is how the podcast right yeah. here. So was and, uh, it? Did, did you have that? Sure, I'm sure y'all flipped that in. This must be uh, sponsored by ChristianMingles.com today. But I'll, 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 I'll hit you off with the truth. You know, I'm always I'm always trying to be as most integrous as possible, and I. This has actually been one of the strongest points to my testimony of me remaining in my purity. Uh, I've actually not yeah. dated anyone in those entire 10 years I was in China. Believe it wow, or not, wow. I dated no one. I had no girlfriend. I didn't even go on dates with nobody. And so um, wow. that wasn't easy. You know, I definitely love women. And I think they're beautiful creations from the Lord. And so the thing was, um, I think I could say it like this. So to answer your question, I, I actually had a strong covenant with the Lord where um, I, I told him that I'm putting my mission first and all the people that are disciple and I'm not going to date anyone. Um, and every year, this actually became an annual commitment from the Lord that he actually asked me to do, lay down. And I would take a, a sabbatical in, the, in, in China and I'd go somewhere nice, get a nice, nice hotel for like one day. And I would ask the Lord, can I date this year? And he'd say, w- will you lay it down for another year? And he did that for nine consecutive years. He asked me to lay that down. And honestly, I had a supernatural grace on it because it didn't really bother me much at all. Um, it, wow, it didn't really get God. to me. And so I was yeah. actually able to remain in my purity that way. And I'll tell you, you, know, you, you can hear, you probably know some of the stereotypes or some of the real things that have happened in China. But one big thing, man, is them, like there's a lot of temptation in China. Number one, I'm a foreigner. I'm automatically yeah. look different from everyone else, right? So I have a different yeah. handsome about me. I'm a... I'm a foreigner that's handsome. handsome right? I'm not just a handsome mm-hmm. dude. I'm, I'm, you, I'm the exotic. You know, it's like you see a Lambo exactly. go by. Mm-hmm. You're like, yo, that's a nice Lambo. Yeah, yeah you're the Lambo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a Honda. Yeah, yeah. 
So the deal is like, um, have I had women throw themselves at me? Yes. I've been in a lot of sec, you know, being in the whole hip hop culture period, being an urban missionary. Um, uh, I know some of the closest brothers that I've shared the gospel with. Some of them, have, they're not saved yet, but I got to actually mm-hmm. pray with them. I got to prophesy over these dudes. These are dudes that are like mega club owners. They got a club of 5,000 people in it. Mega club owners. These are dudes that have, um, you know, all the money they can have. And so they, they kind of flaunt it. A foreigner in China, if you make a, for a Chinese that's got an established kind of like, you know, uh, kind of like title to them, like especially in that world, like music, you know, sex, drugs, entertainment, like just that whole world clubbing. You having a foreigner friend is like a status thing. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not just okay. I'm not just an American. I'm an American hip hop b boy that speaks fluent Chinese. That means homies oh, wow. wanted to bring me around. You know what I'm saying? They wanted so, to yeah. like yo. So the pride could have kicked in. Pride could have kicked mm-hmm. in on you if you if you would let it to. Pride uh-huh. could have kicked in. If I said pride could have kicked in yeah. if you yeah. didn't stay humble and stay prayed up. Sure. And so let me tell you a few ways I combated against that because I don't want to just I'm not trying to boast. I want to share real things that I had to go through that would help others that are listening to. I will hope to impart and even encourage others that, you know, might be called into this kind of world. Like I straight up have led drug dealers to the Lord in a club. I've straight up, you know, got on stage and there was probably not another Christian in that room except me. Like I've been in those kind of situations. Um, but the Lord really showed me how to combat with them wisely. And you have to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit, because there's, there's, there's definitely a few times where if I just would have made one other choice, I would I could have fell, you know, I could have fallen very yeah. badly. And so yeah. number one, one thing that I did was um, I realized early that um, I shouldn't go into dark environments alone. So when I said that, like, I'm, I'm in this place alone, there was moments where like God had me do something and then people were so hyped. Like for an example, I was at this mega club, right? And this, this mega club got like 5,000 people and they had me do an opener thing on stage. And, um, I break dance and all that stuff, right? Whatever. And after it was done, God said, okay, go home. Right after it was done, like literally I'm stepping off the stage. He's like, go home. And I was like, all right. So as I'm walking out, a girl grabbed my wrist. A girl grabs my wrist and says, I want to take you home with me tonight. Let's go. As I'm leaving, like, I'm at the exit. You know what wow. I'm saying? Wow. And and I, I felt so bad for that girl. I just, like, pulled her away. I kind of tapped. I gave her the buddy tap. I tapped her on the shoulder. And I was like, listen, I'm sorry. I have, <laughs> I have to go home. I have to leave. I'm sorry. Oh, and she just looked Praise at God. me like, <laughs> she probably cursed me out. I don't know what she did. She just stomped herself away. <laughs> and, um, but you wow. see what I'm saying? Like in those moments, yeah. I don't know that if the Lord, like if, what if I didn't obey that voice that God said, go home now. And I yeah. said, you know, yeah. nah, God, I'm, I'm having fun. Like they invited, I had, I had, I had, you know, probably like millionaires or high level status people invited me to sit at their table, right? This, just to order a table cost $10,000 to sit at that table that these people were sitting at in the club. And these dudes were like, yo, come over here, come over here, yo, chill. And I would just be like, ah, I gotta go. And so people would see me and then I would disappear. And they'd see me and i disappear. And so because God was protecting me. And then there was other moments where God was like, you know what, now I'm establishing a stronger witness in you and to keep you accountable. He says, Ben, there's, there's going to be certain times that if you want to go to this thing, it was it was almost like he's giving me a choice because I believe trust was being established in the Lord. He was like, Ben, if you want to go to this thing, you have to bring another brother with you. 
you have to bring another brother in Christ mm-hmm. or you can't go. Yeah. Because yeah, even though my heart go. was, I, I got to go reach these people. I want to share the gospel. You could go in, you know, with a burning torch that you're going to, you know, light, you know, light the world on fire for Jesus. And that could get put out real quick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I, yeah. I, uh, I did that. Honestly, I think it was Billy Graham said it, or somebody said that he never traveled alone, or like even if he saw a woman, uh, you could check me if I'm wrong on this. But he said even if I see a woman enter elevator, he would wait for the next one just so he wouldn't be in the same elevator along with the woman, yeah. just for his yeah. integrity or like yeah. his image. Yeah, right. Mike Pence. Yeah. Mike Pence is also like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and so I, I actually, I think in being my age, so I was young, I'm like 21, 20, all the way from 21 to 28 years old doing this stuff. Right. And so I'm young. Too, that's that young that. Yeah. That's that. That's thick. And the Bible that's calls like, that. Yeah. The Bible calls that youthful lust. That is yeah. very strong. Yeah, that's hard, bro. Man, that's how I know yeah. you stay prayed up. And I give you a yeah. lot of credit and all glory what? be to God. Bro. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's the grace of God. Like to be yeah. straight up, I think. No, you were called to this. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean, yeah. and um, that that's part of it. Um, and but at the same time, you've been obedient and yeah. and submissive to the Spirit of God, and that is commendable, man. Beyond because this ain't gonna be me. That was not yeah. yo. I, I, I don't know how I would handle something like that. You know, yeah. um, I'll say, can I say this real fast? Up, son, too? I, just, I just feel like I should yeah. say this just to really encourage listeners, like younger listeners too, anyone really, any man, but. Another thing that really helped me stay faithful to that was I, anytime I had this thought of like, oh, well, I'm young or whatever, I always combated that with, I still treated my relationship with the Lord and my relationship to singleness that he promised me as if I already was mm. married. Like, cause I would use that kind of, that mm, battle in my head of the excuse, like for example, massage parlor, bro, that is real. I will tell you what, there's so many missionaries, not, not people I know personally, but missionaries that have gone to China went up in a massage parlor just thinking, oh, let me just get a massage. And then they fell into sexual sin because they didn't yeah. understand the culture because that's actually a very hidden thing, but yet it's still very open. And and there you could literally walk into a legit-looking medical massage place and a girl will offer you a blowjob, man, just like that. And yeah. you it will oh, happen yeah. so fast, and then you're just in that moment like, what do I do? You know what I'm saying? And so... The Lord even showed me on that where I would like go get a massage or I'll bring people with me. You know what I'm saying? Who's coming with? I bring my like, you know, team with me and I'll treat them all out and like pay for everybody and like, you know, you know, whatever and do that. And, and we would, we would go to a massage parlor that was like family owned business and all that. But then even in those moments, it would be like, okay, she's, she's rubbing on my leg now. You know, she's rubbing on my kneecap or whatever. <laughs> then you're a man. And it's like, okay, she's rubbing on my leg. And it's like in that moment, I'm like, oh, it's okay. It's fine. And but God was like, yeah, but how would your wife feel if she was sitting right next to you? Ooh, I was just about to say that. I mean, my wife like, nope, ain't no massage parlor for you. <laughs> but you still <laughs> massage like, over. I, massage is over. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Listen, so that, you're going to be guess, a great husband. Yeah, that, I guess that's just how I've had it, and that's how I've been able to stay faithful to it. And, um, yeah, like, it's, Listen, it's been hard. There was one girl that was the Jezebel. She got real close, and I, I, I almost fell to that, and I'm glad I did it. But it, it got real close. It got to the point where she was like, um, she was like grabbing my hand. She was like, come in the taxi with me right now and I'm taking you home with me. And I sent her off in that taxi and that whole walk back to my house, I was like, I should have never been alone. So there are times that even in the much wisdom God's given me, I think the longer that I've gone, you know, with the loneliness stuff, like there's times where, again, it's in the right heart and motive of like, oh, I just want to see that girl get saved. I'm going to hook her up with our other Christian girls in the church. But then it's like, hey, but why are you even along with her right now at all? 
And so yeah, I've, I've, yeah. I've learned from those things and I've guarded myself. And so, yeah, that's, I can probably say that I've never fell into any kind of sexual sin or temptation. I've never even dated a girl in the last 10 years. I told my dad that yesterday, like I haven't dated. He's like, what's wrong with you? No, but I'm ready now. I think God's prepared. I'm ready now. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's what I was saying. I think God, God is prepared. He prepared you. He prepared you to be a great husband because if you take that same mindset, you're yeah. going to be a great husband. And, you know, and and whoever's listening to Ash Nation, like he said, if you, you know, you're going to be in a missionary field and you're a single person, you got to have, take those attributes, those those little um, tools he gave you and, and put them in practice because I yeah. think that'll keep you strong. Yeah. Yo, so so share with us a little bit where you're at now, right? Because you spent 10 sure. years in China and you're not mm-hmm. there right now. Yeah. Share a little bit about where you're at now, and then, um, um, then, then, uh, if they have any other questions here, the task crew, we'll, we'll throw yeah, it. Yeah, I love you. y'all then, questions too. Yeah, anything y'all you know, have, I'm at, sure. Yeah, and then, um, we want a final word from you. Like, how would you challenge any of our listeners today about walking with Christ? But uh, yeah, just give us a heads up. Okay. Where you at right now, man? What's going on? Uh, so just so you know, like, even though I was in China for the the last nine years. It, it really functioned as kind of like, I, I would call it my Antioch at that time because it was a base for me and I actually traveled to 13 other countries as well. So I wasn't just mm, in China. Mm. Even though like yeah. my my house was in China, all that stuff, uh, the Lord was really building up the whole B-boy stuff and so I was judging jams in like Malaysia, Singapore, um, Australia, New Zealand. Like I started traveling all over the world. And so um, the Lord started building all these networks of other Christian brothers and sisters that are using hip hop and doing really amazing things for Christ, other urban missionaries. And so I found a whole bunch of people just like me. And that was actually a cry to my heart. Cause yeah, great. Like I'm, I'm honored. I got to serve and see lots of people come to Christ. I'm honored. I did this, but God knew my personal cry too. Right. Which was like, Lord, am I the only one? Like are there other people like me? And, um, he allowed me to find them. And so, uh, what I'm doing now is since I've come back, the Lord told me to move to California because he gave me a very specific word that I've, I've, I've already seen really start to come true. And he said, Ben, I want to send you to California because there's other people in hip hop right now that have a high influence for like just been very impactful to hip hop that are Christian that uh, I'm asking them to all move to the same location as you in California because I'm building something very big for the kingdom. And I said, OK, Lord, I don't know anybody here, but I'll do it. So I moved here four months ago, and uh, I already started. We we started a breakdance crew. Uh, got five people in our uh, four people in our crew already. So we got some b boys and a b girl, and then uh, you know all all awesome believers, and uh, and so that's happening. And then um, I got connected with some other people in these last few weeks of other Christians who are doing cool stuff. They got websites. They got podcasts. Like y'all, you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of stuff. Uh, all these different gears turning, and the Lord. Um, this is still kind of like in the works, so I can't tell you the full details yet, but the Lord basically said, okay, now that you're meeting these people, I want you to build a team. And when you build this team of people, I want you to basically set a standard for hip hop to bring people back to the elements of hip hop. And so when I'm saying that, I'm saying the four main elements of hip hop, you know, breaking, graffiti, DJ, and rapping. I think right now rap has been kind of the face of, of hip hop. It's even hip hop as a genre of rap. And if you notice the effect of what that's done, the younger generation, like everybody wants to be rappers. Nobody, not not really people want to be dancers or graffiti artists or other things. And so I feel like this, for me, I just have a heart since I grew up in that culture to kind of help 
rekindle that and bring people back to some, some of the roots of that. Because I'm going to tell you the truth, in other countries, the reason why I'm doing that is because other countries are doing it much better than us. And they actually mm. still do that. You know, there's strong, there's a strong uh, Australian hip hop culture. You know, there's a strong Malaysia hip hop culture where you go to an event and they got a DJ, they got the B-Boy battle, they got rap battles. They have it all. You know, it's not, it's not about isolating or like, not isolating, secluding stuff. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm building a website now to basically build and bring all the networks of the people I've met in these different countries all together. And for us to, I guess, boldly say, I'm trying to make a new standard for um, people in hip hop to, and, and ultimately, basically, uh, build a stronger mission foundation. In that. So I don't know if it means that too. But I end up, you know, starting my own missionary organization. You know, where urban missionaries can have the same opportunity I had. But um, uh, a really good documentary, real quick, by the way, that could help you maybe. It speaks to me, so I don't know if it'll speak to anyone listening, but it might help you get a, a glimpse of where I'm going. It is not, it is a DVD called Shake Off the Dust. Or I think it shakes the dust off or something like that. I can check it for you, but it was a thing you could buy on iTunes or something back then. I don't know how you get access to it now, but Nas, the rapper, made a documentary. And if you view it, with the perspective of those, every single one of those people in that video could be a missionary, then you understand my whole heart. So I say that like anyone in hip hop could be an urban missionary to their neighborhood, to their country, you know, to other nations. And I'm excited that God's given, given me a privilege to be able to, to do that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Dope. 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 Man. Yeah. Yo, any final questions before he closes out with a good word? No. Uh, no, I just want to commend him, man. Ben, I want to commend you for uh, using hip hop and break dancing as a vehicle to um, preach the gospel, man. And uh, you're a great warrior, man, and a great God soldier. And we appreciate you, bro. Thank you. Thank and, you. and I just want to say this, man. I know, I know, we got a few different viewers here that and I know they're not believers, man. But mm. to show you that God is not capped, he's not, he's not put in a box. Mm-mm. By what is normal, you know, normal church. And don't get me wrong; I, I still go to church on Sunday and stuff like that. But God is beyond the four walls, man. Mm. And He causes people and He sends His people out, and um, it's mm-hmm. just great to hear it. Yeah. It's great to hear it. Um, and I, I pray that anybody listening that doesn't know the Lord, yeah. uh, you be encouraged by this this story here from Brother yeah. Ben. It's great that Kurt is listening to this because <laughs> Kurt is old school, and you know he doesn't. Yeah, Yo, man. <laughs> Just because I got some class don't mean that I don't understand what's Kirk going on. Hey Ben, I love Kirk by the way. I listen to y'all so man. I love Kirk. Y'all be y'all be, y'all be, y'all be, ripping, y'all be ripping on him a little bit. <laughs> Kirk Classy. Yo, but Ben man, yo, sure. uh share with us uh how can people follow you? You know, where can they find you at? And then at the same time, yo, close us out with an encouraging word. And then we're going to finish up with our sure. uh, street spotlight for the for the night. Awesome. And I thank you all, too, man. I thank you for the privilege to be on the show. Like, I love what you all doing. It's very encouraging to me. And um, I would say, yeah, my handle, my handles are just um, for Instagram. It's um, it's Enoch uh, dot Vasquez and then that little underscore official so get me right on that i'm not trying to be prideful or anything but i ain't got no blue tick so i put official in my name you know what i'm saying for now so that <laughs> yeah i know it's me <laughs> so we'll see um so yeah that's my I- ig 
my Facebook, you could just look up uh, Benny Knock Baskets. You'll find my Facebook quite quickly. I'm holding a baby tiger. It's a real picture. I went to Thailand and actually held a toddler tiger that could have ripped my face off, but I look cool in the picture. Ooh, so wow. if you see that from <laughs> <that's laughs> got that's that pic, though. <laughs> he got that pic. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you, that, you can make that the ticket of the podcast. <laughs> Me holding a <the> tiger. <laughs> so yeah, so, that's, uh, yeah, so I got that. Uh, those are the two main uh, ways for me. YouTube's also just Benny Knock Baskets, yeah. Um, I'll close out with this. Um, I feel like, yeah, my word of encouragement would be to the fathers, so pastors, um, you know, older generation that have been entrusted with the younger generation. I feel like y'all um, have a unique ability right now in a unique season of time, a window of time, to really offer your handout to bring in the the future of the, like the young people to partner with them you have to partner with them um to really see them take the gospel to the next level where we've not been able to take it yet and i say for the young people like the unchurched the people that feel like they're doing it all by themselves and got no one around because my whole story is about being fathered by people who really taken me in spiritual fathers people who had nothing to do with hip-hop at all very very far from that white rural brothers that took in hip hop B boy Puerto Rican missionaries, like but they, they, they offered their hand and they brought me into a place to raise me up to become the man that I am right now. And so I just say that as a word of encouragement. Like whether you're at your youth young people are at your youth groups, like figure out how to get more partners. Like don't be rebellious and try to say, Hey, they don't understand me, I'm just gonna do this my way, this that because you could like I said, you could have this vision and passion that you wanna change the world. But there's a reason God gives us fathers and mothers. Like we have to have that support system because you will fail. You will fail miserably if you don't have the right people behind you. So let's as a body, fathers and mothers and sons and daughters partner together so we can really fulfill the Great Commission. Mm. Yo, Praise God. appreciate yeah. it, Ben. Appreciate it, My ben, man. Yo, big ups, man. Hey, listen, thank you for joining us. We, um, you know, sp- spending your time. I know you got three hour difference from where we're at, but uh, <laughs> love you, my brother. Keep grinding, love keep you. being obedient to the Spirit of God. And uh, we're going to close it out with the street spotlight here. Any shout outs y'all want to put out there, real quick? Uh, Yo, shout out to my sister Anna for getting that A on that paper that I helped her with. Big up. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, shout out to my wife, man. She is a avid listener, man. She give us she be throwing me little pointers at me. Yo, she's like, "Yo, get off your phones. Y'all look like y'all not paying attention." And uh <laughs> yeah. but we do it our research, honey. Yeah. But uh shout out to my wife, man. Yeah, she always yeah. doing it. Yeah, shout out to my wife. She liked it our last one, the spiritual warfare. She no was doubt. really intrigued by that one. So Shout out to all the missionaries, man. For yeah. real. Mm. All the missionaries. All, all around everywhere. the world. Everywhere. Everywhere, man. It's, Even it's the working. ones that's yeah. in, locally yeah. doing the work. Yeah, urban missionaries, man. Even that's here right. in Rochester, yo, doing it. Big ups to y'all. All right, yo, this is the Street Spotlight here, man. And this artist, man, for anybody who's a Christian believer that, that's familiar with hip-hop, they know this dude, man. He's a producer, songwriter. My boy Thizzle, yo, oh, representing man. the Louis, St. Louis, Missouri. I reached out to him, and he um, he was like, yo, man, go ahead, play the song, man. And this is a single, uh, Until Tomorrow. Um, if you want to follow Thizzle, you can catch him up on Facebook, IG, Twitter, YouTube, all at Thizzle. And that's spelled T-H-I apostrophe S-L. Yo, Tatch Nation, keep riding. Tatch Crew gonna keep driving. We out. See ya. News station here, and I read the world's falling. Phone ringing back to back, my friends calling. The whole world in the tailspin. 
Everybody wondering where the world in Too much stress even for pain pills Tell Ari Lennox we need some ad libs Or some music for the pain Who got an umbrella, I can use it for the rain It don't matter how far this whole thing go One thing for certain, God's in control I trust him with my life, I trust him with my soul But for now I had enough, I'ma turn this TV off until tomorrow Until tomorrow Until tomorrow Until tomorrow It don't matter how far this whole thing go One thing for certain, God to control I trust him with my life, I trust him with my soul But for now I had enough, I'ma turn this I'm in my thoughts like What about the homeless people? How they wash their hands when they eating? I guess the Rona not touching them Can we get some quarantine and some stuff for them please? Somebody tell Diddy we need an ad lib I'm about to head to the store, I'm out of pain pills Because the pain too much, the whole world hurting, it didn't rain so much But it don't matter how far this whole thing go One thing's for certain, God's in control I trust him with my life, I trust him with my soul But for now I had enough, I'ma turn this TV off until tomorrow Until tomorrow I trust him with my life, I trust him with my soul One thing's for certain, God's in control No matter how far this whole thing go But for now I had enough, I'ma turn this TV off until tomorrow I'm in my prayers life Father God, your children we need you, it's so hard Yeah, Father God, give us clean hands and a pure heart Yeah, Father God, return us back to our first love Yeah Father God, replace our fear with your love I trust you with my life, I trust you with my soul One thing's for certain, you're in control No matter how far this whole thing go But for now I had enough, I'ma turn this TV off until tomorrow